Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake here with a solo podcast. Want to just inform the audience that uh, Gabby Rudia was planning to join the pod here this morning with me Monday morning uh, and up at about 7.15 a.m. I got a text from Gabby letting me know that uh, baby Urrutia is on the way. So water broke at about 7 o'clock this morning. And so things are progressing that way. So just want to send the Urrutia family uh, prayers and positive vibes. And uh, yeah, just want to uh, inform the listeners as to why we are running a solo podcast here. I'm, I'm certainly not talented enough to carry a podcast solo, um, but this is where we're at. So let's get it rolling. So uh, this podcast is kind of a review of the Miami win over Virginia Tech 20 to 14. Uh, after rewatching the game, just share some of my thoughts, um, what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, what we can expect maybe moving forward. So for the offense, um, you know, I, I think it was fair uh, in the first four games for everyone who follows Miami Hurricanes football to wonder um, was the issues on offense, specifically the passing game, was it the new offensive system or was it Tyler Van Dyke? And I think these last two games, We've certainly gotten our answer to that question um, with Tyler definitely looking like the player we saw last year in the final six games um, goes off again for 351 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and and I, I want to say this too, um, you know, this isn't necessarily um, talking down on the offensive system that Josh Gaddis installed uh, for the first nine months on the job. Uh, I, I think any offensive system can work, but I think more importantly is you have to marry the right offensive system to the personnel. And so I think the staff does deserve credit for during the bye week, uh, making the necessary tweaks to uh, get Tyler comfortable and the rest of the offensive personnel, uh, in the passing game as well to find production. That's what big time staffs do. 
you know, whatever it takes to win, because this is not the way Josh Gaddis or Mario Cristobal want to play offensive football. Um, but they, they understand that winning is above that. And so this is what Miami has to do to win. And it's been a long time since we've seen a coaching staff make wholesale adjustments like that um, in order to find ways to win games. You know, I think we've seen plenty of stubbornness to a system during the Al Golden years with the defense. During the Mark Richt years, there was a stubbornness um, offensively with the play calling at times. And, um, you know, the Manny Diaz era certainly um, was stubborn at times on the defensive side of things. Um, so I do think it, it deserves credit to the coaching staff for making changes to the system. So where can we see where Tyler is clearly more comfortable in these last two games compared to the first four? I think it's pretty clear in terms of number one, you know, spreading things out formationally um, gives Tyler a much cleaner picture of what to expect from a defense um, during the pre-snap phase of a play. And I think that is number one, allowing him to get the ball out much quicker. These past two weeks, he is getting the ball out of his hands in 2.4 seconds, which is very fast, especially for a quarterback like Tyler that does like to push the ball downfield. You compare that time, uh, you know, time to throw to the first four games of the season. And in those first four games, he was getting the ball out in 2.66 seconds. And, you know, that 0.26 seconds might not sound like a lot, but that's that's a lifetime in quarterback play. And it's the difference between getting a completion. It's a difference between in the short passing game, putting the ball on a receiver, allowing him to get yak, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Tyler's getting the ball out much quicker these last two weeks. Um, he's also taking more deep shots uh, these last two games compared to the first four. In the first four games, Tyler was four of 11 for 141 yards and one touchdown on his deep shot attempts. He was attempting a deep shot in the first four games on only 9% of his attempts. That was way down from the previous season when he was attempting deep shots on 19% of his attempts. These last two games, uh, that percentage is up on deep shot attempts up to about 15%. Um, and he is delivering results as well. The last two games, he is 7 of 15 for 194 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, Tyler is, interestingly, one of those rare quarterbacks that um, is almost better at the deep shot than he is at the quick game, throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and so the coaching staff has made the necessary tweaks to do that allowing Tyler throw the ball more often uh, downfield and outside the numbers, which also opens up opportunities downfield uh, between the numbers, which we've seen more of from Will Mallory here in recent weeks as well. I think 
In the passing game, you also got to give a ton of credit to the receivers for stepping up. We all know right now, un, you know, unfortunately, this group is banged up. Um, Xavier Restrepo has been injured since the Texas A&M game. That's Tyler's number one guy. Uh, Jacoby George, who, you know, until this Colby Young emergence, you could have argued he was the most talented receiver on the team. He got injured uh, against Texas A&M after serving a two-game suspension at the start of the year. Uh, and then this past week, Michael Redding was hurt, sidelined for the game. He's been a starter this whole season. So uh, the receivers have, number one, had to step up. Number two, Tyler's had to learn to trust who he has to work with at this point in the season at that position group. Um, and this group is is doing its job. I, I think we're seeing it in different phases of the passing game as well. So in the quick game, we're seeing the emergence of Brashard Smith uh, in the slot. And he's, he's showing why, as a high school recruit, we were excited about what he could become. Um, because he is a guy with pretty good speed. He's a guy with a compact build that can pick up yak. And he is emerging as that guy in the quick game these past two weeks against Virginia Tech. He had over 70 yards of yak in the game, um, you know, made a nice um, jumping catch in traffic as Tyler was buying time at one point in the game. Um, and so Brashard is taking that next step. He's a guy that last year at this time was kind of struggling with confidence and drops um, in practice. I think that was the case in the spring as well. But starting in fall camp, you could start to see him stacking decent practices from what we could watch. And, um, you know, he's definitely doing his job now. And that quick game uh, is allowing Tyler to work the ball to different parts of the field, which, of course, opens up other looks during the course of the game. The downfield passing game has taken a, a nice step forward especially in this Virginia Tech game, thanks to Colby Young's emergence, uh, six foot five, 215 pound receiver, big bodied guy, um, just proving to be a contested catch monster. Uh, not a guy that's necessarily going to generate a ton of separation, um, but if you give him a, a chance downfield and he's covered one-on-one, -on -one, he's shown that he can make that catch. Uh, Against Virginia Tech, he caught three of four contested catch opportunities. Uh, possession receiver, I think Frank Ladson has filled this role nicely, being a guy that is is catching eight, nine yard kind of hitch routes consistently, moving the moving the chains or or staying ahead of the chains. Um, those guys are always valuable. Frank did drop what could have been, I guess, a touchdown on a on a slant play early against Virginia Tech, but besides that miscue, he's been pretty good here since the Middle Tennessee State game uh, with catching the ball and, uh, you know, moving it downfield in that role. Middle of the field, you know, I, I think it's worth definitely highlighting, excuse me, highlighting that uh, Will Mallory, the way they're using Will, I think is, is much different. Um, since the bye week 
compared to the first four games. And I think it's definitely suited his skill set much better. Um, we're seeing him used more down the seam as a downfield threat at tight end rather than a guy who they want to dump the ball into the flats and try and pick up yardage via yak. Um, you know, we've seen Will Mallory and Tyler uh, connect these past two weeks between the numbers downfield in the deep passing game on some big time throws from Tyler, big time catches and traffic from Will, um, just high level NFL level type of play um, between those two working the ball in the middle of the field. Hopefully Will can, uh, can come back from that uh, knock to his head in the second quarter. He was on pace for having a huge game against Virginia tech. Um, but as we know, concussion stuff can't mess with it. So could be, could be some time before Will Mallory is back, but he will be back at some point this season, I would expect. And, and I think to a big takeaway in general is with these guys stepping up, that's only going to make the group stronger when Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George do return at some point this season, because they are expected to return Mike Redding. His deal doesn't look too serious. He, he traveled with the team to Virginia tech, just didn't dress. Um, so this group is developing some uh, depth. You know, the high-end talent, I think, will de be defined by what can Colby Young become. Uh, you know, what does Xavier Restrepo look like when he returns from his injury? And can Jacoby George take the next step in terms of being a consistent guy? We all see the flashes of talent at times from him, the playmaking ability, but can he be a consistent guy on a down-to-down -down basis? But I think the passing game is starting to uh, find its rhythm. I think now the goal is to try and convert those yards into more touchdowns. Uh, for whatever reason, the yards are there, but it's not necessarily correlating like you would think to touchdowns and points. Um, so that's kind of the next step. Uh, part of that will be the run game, right? And, and going into the Virginia Tech game, Josh Gaddis made it clear, like, this is not the way we want to play. This is not how you win championships. And I think he's right. Um, but on the flip side, and, and I think he understands this, passing the ball a bunch of times is what this Miami offense has to do is to score points, win games, um, especially when Henry Parrish was out like he was against Virginia Tech. Um, so, you know, you go back and look at the Virginia Tech performance. It just wasn't there um, from a run blocking perspective, from a vision perspective, from the running backs, from a run through contact perspective. Uh, just honestly, not much to say there in the run game other than needs to get better, of course. And I think they obviously need Henry Parrish to return to provide a boost from a vision perspective. And I think. Don Chaney, if he is able to return this season, um, you know, would provide more of a violent run option um, as a guy that's over 200 pounds and can run through contact at times when he's fully healthy. Um, I will say I love the short yardage wrinkles uh, with Jakari Brown 
finding answers in that phase, uh, a phase that Miami had struggled significantly here in recent weeks. I will say I'm curious uh, how the staff looks to balance, you know, the redshirt deal. He's got four games to play and retain his redshirt um, while also continuing to look at that, um, you know, using him in some short yardage situations. I'm not saying I'm against using him moving forward, even if that means burning a redshirt, but you better make sure that you're in a position to continue to win games if you're going to do that. I also want to say this, you know, the, the big game over the weekend was uh, Tennessee and Alabama. And it is hard to not look at the play and the development of Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback, and not see some potential parallels with Jakari Brown. Um, Hendon Hooker, similar build, similar skill set. Hendon Hooker, 6'4", 220, um, has a big, deep arm, can throw the deep ball. Uh, a guy that can hurt you with his legs as well. A guy that can be a physical runner as well. Um, but the thing with Hendon is it took patience. It took development. It took time. Uh, he's a guy that signed with Virginia Tech originally in the 2017 cycle. He didn't necessarily play. He played three games in 2018 for Virginia Tech. And then 2019 was kind of his first season. So it took two years of development, uh, kind of like Jakari Hendon, uh, needed some time to develop as a passer. Um, but I think the two also have parallels in that they are hard workers. They care about their craft. They want to get better. And so um, as Hendon stuck with the process, you can really see how he is improving as a quarterback. He's now an older guy at Tennessee. Um, and he's arguably the best college quarterback in the country right now um, with what he's doing uh, at Tennessee. But I think you can also see the vision for if Jakari Brown is going to be the quarterback of the future at Miami, um, if you can surround him with elite wide receivers, if you can play a style of offense uh, in which you, you line up your receivers out wide formationally um, to allow them to have one-on-ones. Because when you have a quarterback like a Jakari, like a Hendon Hooker, a defense more times than not is going to have to bring a safety into the box in order to uh, contain that run threat. And if you can have elite wide receivers that can make plays downfield and you spread out defenses formationally out wide, um, it's definitely a pick your poison element um, that that offense can bring to the table. Either you're going to drop a safety down and take away the run threat of the quarterback, or you're going to put two safeties back. And if uh, the pass isn't there, that quarterback's going to take off and run. So I'm saying this to say, I guess, all this is to say, you know, I think Jakari has a very high ceiling. I do think, though, it's going to take some time to develop. In my opinion, ideally, I think he, of course, needs this year. I think, too, he needs... He needs next year as well. But after that, 
I think the potential is there for Miami to have a big time quarterback. Uh, Hennon Hooker stuck with the process and he got better and better and better, especially when he got to Tennessee in a system that could highlight his strengths as a player. So, um, just wanted to get that off my chest and rant, I guess, a little bit. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you get 50 percent off your first box at the farmersdog.com slash podcast that's the farmersdog.com slash podcast uh, defensively from the Virginia Tech game. I think the defense played really well. Uh, and I say that even with the fourth quarter stuff when Miami was just kind of hang on. You know, it's really hard to shut teams out in modern day football. And, you know, at the end of the game, I think Miami was playing a lot of off stuff, uh, just looking to contain the explosive play, especially after they got away with one with uh, Avante Williams being caught out of position and Virginia Tech's wide receiver dropping a definite touchdown if he catches that ball would have been an explosive touchdown. So I think after that play, Miami just kind of dropped back for the most part and um, allowed Virginia Tech to move the ball, chew clock, etc. cetera. Um, the thing I want to highlight defensively uh, primarily is the play of Miami's pass rushing defensive line. So on third and long situations and even some second and long situations, Miami's defensive line uh, was defensive end, Nigelie Kelly, defensive tackle, Akeem Mesador, defensive tackle, Mitchell Agude, and defensive end, Jafari Harvey. That four, that front four, consistently whipped Virginia Tech's offensive line uh, when they were on the field together and was a big reason why Miami was able to generate six sacks 
on Virginia Tech quarterback Grant Wells during the course of the game and get off the field on third down. So uh, that's a highly athletic group. I think we're seeing Nigeli Kelly uh, grow up on the field. You know, he's flashed plenty, but he's, he's getting more and more of a significant role. He's obviously going to be a big time, big time player during his career at Miami. Um, and he had a lot of assists with the way he was forcing uh, Grant Wells into some sacks with his teammates, with the pressure he applied from the outside. Uh, Key Mesador obviously uh, finished a lot of plays there for Miami's defensive line. Excellent game from him. Uh, linebackers, I think Corey Flagg and Keontre Smith, this might have been one of the better games from the linebacker group in general. Um, I think Corey Flagg, another solid game, another good game. Keontre Smith, probably his best game of the season. Um, so those guys appear to be developing. Got to stack, stack performances game after game after game. Um, but it is encouraging to see that in a one-game sample size. I think starting safeties, Cam Kitchens at James Williams, didn't have any bust, did their job, which I think is encouraging uh, compared to the previous two games. Overall, Miami's defense was sound. Only three missed tackles in the game as a team, which is the least in years. Um, and so that is encouraging. Now, what does this performance from a defensive standpoint mean moving forward? While it's definitely good, um, I don't know what it means for the rest of the season. I think it's to be determined because, quite frankly, Virginia Tech's offense is putrid. Uh, and also, I think from a defensive personnel standpoint, Miami matches up perfectly against Virginia Tech's offense. Um, and so, look, Miami went out, did their job, dominant through three quarters. Um, that doesn't need to be brushed aside. Um, but I'm not quite here willing to say, like, this is what the defense is going to be for the rest of the season. I think that's to be determined. Which takes us to um, our final thoughts in this podcast. Second half of the season is upon us, right? Miami's sitting here three at three, one and one in ACC play. Um, what should we expect for Miami moving forward the rest of the year? I will say I am encouraged that now I think at this point in the season, the staff knows its personnel. The staff knows what it has to work with. And I think that's huge. I think that was an issue in the first four games. I think that's an issue that that was the primary issue as to why Miami lost that Middle Tennessee State game, which it's going to be frustrating uh, to have that game in the back of our minds because, you know, I think if Miami had just handled business against that Middle Tennessee State game, who I believe has not won a game since beating Miami, which makes it even more frustrating. But if Miami had just simply handled his business in that game, nine and three would be on the table. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, I think it's a big key, of course, that this staff knows its personnel and can start building on that moving forward. I think these next two games are certainly winnable. Uh, Duke, I think, is going to give Miami a test. Um, 
but I do, you know, Miami should win that game. I think it's going to be close, closer than probably the fan base expects. Miami should win that game. Virginia always plays Miami tough. Um, they are a team that's struggling right now. That game is up there at Virginia. And, uh, you know, that game's going to be an opportunity for Tony Elliott and his staff to make a statement. Miami should win that game on paper too. Uh, but again, I think this, the majority of these games are going to be one score games here, the second half of the schedule. Um, and I think the fan base should kind of expect that. Um, you know, I do think the players have bought in uh, to the way Mario Cristobal is running his program. They all know this is what a serious football program looks like and how it operates. And I think too, they're, they're encouraged. The players are uh, internally by the tweaks that this staff does make, you know, the staff isn't just banging its head in, into the wall, trying to force players to play a certain way. This, the staff is tweaking its system on both sides of the ball to allow the players to best be in position to make plays. And I think that only helps the buy-in uh, as this season progresses. Miami's got to get some injury luck uh, and get guys back healthy for a key stretch in November. Miami opens November against Florida State, then they go take on Georgia Tech, and then they close with Clemson and Pitt. So I think the big question here, and we honestly won't know until oh, we'll have a much better idea when we get to the month of November. Uh, but the question I think is, can Miami go two and one against Florida State, Clemson, and Pittsburgh? I think if that's the case, you got to feel good about Miami's chances at going eight and four. Um, if that's not the case, you know, six and six, I think is definitely on the table for this team. Um, you know, seven and five is probably a safe bet. Um, but Miami's got an effort to find some balance in the run game. You're not going to go two and one against Florida State, Clemson, and Pittsburgh uh, being a one dimensional offense. And quite frankly, the offense has to start scoring some points. We've seen some improvement with getting red zone touchdowns. Um, but yeah, you got us against power five opponents so far this year. And I think it's only what a three game sample size at this point, but Miami, Miami's offense is only averaging 17 points per game against Texas A&M, North Carolina and Virginia tech. And those aren't necessarily the saltiest of defenses. So got to score points. Things are trending in the right direction offensively. Um, but the results have to be there in terms of points. You got to help your defense out. I think this defense is good enough to keep Miami in, in all these remaining games. Uh, but the offense has to start hitting that 30 point total um, in order to really stack wins and get the confidence going. Um, and the most important thing, I think, honestly, for this second half of the season is play well enough to keep the top commits in the boat and also, they need to win enough to put themselves in good enough position to close strong in December on the recruiting trail. So we kind of all know what this team is from a talent standpoint right now. Has to improve. The only way you improve that is through talent acquisition, which takes time. Um, and so whether that's eight and four, seven and five, Miami just has to do well enough 
to put themselves in a position to stack elite talent moving forward. So that's kind of all I got here on this solo podcast. Again, sending positivity to the Arutia family uh, as they welcome a little one over the next 24 hours. And uh, appreciate everyone for listening to this solo podcast and bearing with me. That's a lot of talking. And until next time, take care. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.